Welcome back to Voir Dire, conversations from the criminal justice policy program at Harvard Law School. I'm Skylar Dom, and this episode is a continuation of the conversation I had with Nilla Bala and Jesse Kelly of the R Street Institute about the juvenile justice system. But I wanted to split out a conversation that we also had about the conservative case for criminal justice reform and uh, what it's like to work at a libertarian think tank that works on these issues. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit now about the R Street Institute and the conservative case for criminal justice, because one of the things I think is really interesting about your guys' work is that my understanding is that I would sort of, I would characterize the R Street Institute as conservative leaning. Does that gel with your characterization of it? I think that's right. R Street is a proudly libertarian, free market, right of center organization. And yet when it comes to these criminal justice issues, uh, R Street finds itself in the position that we are certainly on the same page as many liberal counterparts that are advocating for these criminal justice reforms. Because no matter how you look at it, good ideas are good ideas. And a lot of what's happening in the juvenile justice system is bad policy. It's bad policy for the youth involved. I mean, Jesse and I are both former public defenders. So certainly one piece that motivates us is the individual clients and their stories and how difficult these policies can be and how counterproductive they can be. But of course, if you're looking at it from a public safety lens, what is fascinating and perhaps fortunate is that the priorities map on pretty much exactly the same. What's good for youth is good for society, because if we can help youth um, become full-fledged, you know, employed, happy people that are able to sustain themselves, their families, and have a good, happy identity, then society benefits, their families benefit, everyone benefits. I mean, nobody wants to be out there committing crime. People are often doing it because they they don't feel included in society. They don't have the dignity of work. They don't feel like they can find another alternative. And so no matter what perspective you're coming at it from, this is good policy. And we're really excited to be working for an organization that is on sort of the right side of the, not the right, well, on the right side of things in two different ways, I guess, the meaning of the word. Um, Because I think especially in this day and age with the polarization we're seeing in the political sort of atmosphere, we have to be all sitting around and talking about these issues and getting on the same page. It's the only way we're ever going to get anything done. So I'm curious, you you said you both came from public defender's office, which I mean, I don't know about the specific characteristics of the offices you came from, but generally those tend to be pretty left-leaning places. And I'm wondering what surprised you the most about sort of reorienting to a more conservative um, audience or framework and... um, yeah, what's, what surprised you the most, I guess? We both consider ourselves liberals, but we work at a right-leaning organization, and that's because when we looked at the issue areas and the things we would be tackling, we realized that it was going to be the, the same issues we cared about and that there is a conservative case for reforming the juvenile justice system to to fixing raise the age and draft file because 
whether you're conservative or a liberal, you want to set kids up for success. You want to be able to provide rehabilitation. You want to have an eye towards public safety and make sure that your community feels safe at the end of the day. And you don't want to waste money when you don't have to. I mean, detaining kids is so expensive. It's over $200 a day to detain a child. And community alternatives are just so much better and cheaper. And so whenever possible, everybody should want to use them. I mean, they're better for kids and they're, they're better for us. They're better for everyone. Yeah. I think also, um, in addition to the sort of pragmatic approach that you guys and the policy-based approach that you guys are talking about, I'm always, um, intrigued that there isn't more, especially from a libertarian perspective, more of a conversation about, um, the criminal justice system as a terrifying manifestation of an overreaching, very powerful state. Um, and I wonder if that sort of factors into your, uh, work and analysis as well. Absolutely. I think that sentiment definitely animates and illuminates the work we do. I think that also actually interestingly illuminates a lot of public defender people as well. Like there are public defenders who get into this work for so many reasons or people who get into indigent defense for so many reasons, but one is definitely, uh, trying to prevent the overreach of government in people's lives because there is this overcriminalization that's happening. There is this detention of people that don't need to be detained. And the government and judges and the whole system going far beyond what's really appropriate or necessary or what the law allows them to do. I mean, I can give you an example of a case from my time in Baltimore City where a judge decided it would be an appropriate probation condition to ban my client from being able to move even within the same apartment building without requesting permission from the judge. And when my client wrote a letter to the judge letting her know that there was a mice infestation in her apartment and that she needed to move um, apartments within the same building, the judge wrote on the letter, this is not a request since you're simply informing me that you're going to be moving. This is denied. So my client, as a result, yeah, my client, as a result, spent over 45 days in jail. And the New York Times actually came in and did did a profile on her because it was just so heinous what she dealt with. And that's a great example of where a judge or the court system is really overreaching and making these conditions impossible to comply with and not at all correlated with actually rehabilitating or helping a person get back into society, which really should be the function of probation. I mean, we can't just keep punishing people for the rest of their lives for something that, you know, especially misdemeanors, it, it makes no sense at all. I'm curious because it's occurring to me, this is sort of meta, but, um, I don't have a conversation about the politics of the organizations that other folks, uh, that come on this podcast are coming from because there's sort of an assumption, I guess, that they're, uh, that they're sort of more left leaning. I just wonder if it like, does that frustrate you that um, that that's sort of even a, a dynamic or a conversation that you, I'm guessing, have not just with me because it should just be about the policy? I'm just curious if it's like frustrating that you always have to talk about, oh, and this is why this is also a conservative issue. I don't know. I, I don't think of it as frustrating because I think this is something that people assume is like part of the, you know, the bleeding heart liberal agenda. And, and maybe there are traces of why that 
that story is in people's minds or that is the assumption that drives people. Why do you think that is that like liberals have sort of claimed this? Um, I guess because it doesn't strike me as necessarily, I I, I don't know. No, I think, I think that's a great question and I'll be honest. I, I don't know if there's a clear answer and I can certainly take a stab at it and it might, it might date back to, you know, the, civil rights movement and the organizations coming out of that, um, you know, and the different organizations that people think of when they think of these issues, like the ACLU or, you know, the Southern Poverty Law Center or, you know, the, the larger organizations tend to associate themselves with the left side of the political spectrum. But I do think that in the last decade or two, I have seen a rise of more conservative groups who are trying to be smarter about criminal justice policy and move away from sort of the war on drugs, super predator language of the eighties and nineties, you know, and move towards something smarter because unfortunately the remnants of that language and of that sentiment are in our criminal justice policy. I mean, that's where you see, the death penalty for kids and three strikes and all these super tough on crime policies, which just don't work at all. And I think people across the spectrum are seeing that they're not effective, but your original question of why is this, why is this identified as a liberal agenda is fascinating. And I I don't know if there's a clear answer. I actually, it just occurred to me what it must be is that the war on drugs was a, as much a political strategy originating with Nixon as it was a, I mean, it wasn't a policy strategy, right? It was sort of this way to go after blacks and hippies, notoriously. So I'm guessing that that might have been part of it, that just for for a couple decades, the uh, Republican Party realized that this was a politically advantageous position to take rather than a policy policy approach that, that sort of gelled with their philosophy. And I think that maybe what we've seen in the last few years has been sort of a shift away from that and back to sort of the pragmatic policy-based approach that our street is taking. Does that sound right to you? That sounds uh, definitely plausible, but I guess the one thing I'll say is this this language of sort of the super predator. I mean, we heard it from the Democrats yeah, as well, right? I mean, Hillary Clinton has used that phrase and has apologized since the for using that super phrase. predator. The way she says it in that notorious <laughs> video is the most... Awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that what you're pointing to plays a role in sort of the trajectory we've seen. And I think what's interesting is again, in the last couple of years, we're probably seeing both sides coming to a more pragmatic approach. And maybe even while many issues have created more polarization, I would say perhaps criminal justice Mm -hmm. might be one issue that we can slowly start to move closer together on because that's at least the conversations I'm having with people mm-hmm. as of late. I really feel like there's this momentum, like the tide's turning and and it's something that we can really get people on board on both sides, which I don't know is the case even five or six years ago. Things, right. things are really ripe for reform. It's the change from being tough on crime to being smart on crime. Yeah. Well, I think that that's a great place to end it because it's it's hopeful and I hope that this moment continues and I appreciate that you guys are continuing to do the work. 